As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tea Party Podcast, a podcast where you find new friends and new music. And joining me on this week's episode is a singer-songwriter you might have stumbled across in Vegas on a Friday night at the Mandalay Bay at Nashville Unplugged. It's Travis Howard. Travis, thanks for jumping on with me, man. I'm so glad you invited me, man. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. And before we get uh, too far into this, guys, be sure to hit that uh, follow or subscribe button so that you can find our next episode. But Travis, let's get started with you. Give everybody kind of the uh, the Wikipedia version of the Travis Howard story. How, where'd you come from? How'd you get where you're at now? Okay. Quickly, I grew up in Georgia uh, in a very small town. And then I got uh, graduated high school and went directly on the road with this band. Um, I was making $25 a week uh, for four years. So like while everybody else was in college. Big money. And yeah, I know. I was just <laughs> killing it. Uh, but I got to go everywhere. I got to go the whole United States, Europe, Australia, just, you know, and you're like 18. And that just doesn't happen, you know, for most 18 year olds. So whatever. I just, I got a lot of experience. I landed in Nashville after that and started singing like uh, radio jingles, TV commercials, backup, whatever I could do. Um, met a girl. She wanted to be an actress, so I followed her out to California. And then she almost immediately met Mel Gibson stunt double and uh, ran away with him. Oh, man. And I started writing country music. <laughs> um, then uh, at some point, I'm playing like a coffee house gig uh, in Hollywood and these producers came up and they're like, do you want to be on our, our reality show? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to be on a reality show. They're like, come on, you should do it. Uh, Cause you know, it's like a competition show and you could win and stuff. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I just, I've seen big brother and I just, it didn't like a good idea. Uh, they, they talked me into it. I get on this show. One of the other, cast members on the show was young innocent 19 year old Miranda Lambert and we made super fast friends and that was both of our introductions into country music proper that is that's a heck of a story run away to LA <laughs> have your girl stolen by Mel Gibson stunt double and then meet Miranda Lambert in a reality show I mean I don't know that Hollywood could write a story better better than that one man i mean i wish they would <laughs> right yeah you should you got to sell that somewhere but i mean really that's as stereotypical as it is i mean that's kind of the uh the country music song right that 
Oh yeah. Right? Somebody stole. I ran away with the girl, and somebody stole her. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Now, now I'm writing country music. So it's all hard. There was no trains involved or dogs, but it is typical country. So, I mean, you moved from a little town in Georgia. Obviously, you went everywhere, ended up in Nashville. Was L.A. even on your radar before you met her? Or was that kind of where you wanted to end up? Because I know you love it there now. I mean, I love it. But honestly, no. Like, I was – Nashville was my radar since I was a really young guy. I used to read um, credits on albums and just, like, read – I don't know, like Dan Huff's name and uh, Jimmy Lee Slowest and people like these people were like my heroes. And I'm like, I just want to live in Nashville, man. And I got there and it just wasn't big enough for for the girl. She was like this modeling career in Nashville is just not fulfilling me anymore. And she's I need to be an actor. And so we we went out and it was just, you know, but once I got here, like, man, this is I don't know how much time you spend in L.A., but it's magical. Have you have you come out? It is. Yeah, I'm down there. I don't know, probably a couple times a year, just for different things. Uh huh. Yeah, there was something about like being like early twenties, and it was kind of a playground for misfits, I guess. Yeah, I, definitely. It was awesome. Well, and every time I go down there, I'm like, God, I should live down here. And then I apply for two or three, two or three jobs and realize that I'm not pretty enough to live down there. And then I come back <laughs> to my little town in Washington and then just dream about going back the next time. I mean, Washington's no slouch either. That's a beautiful place up there. It is. You know, it's different. Washington is kind of its own little, its own little apple. But God, I, I like California so much. It's pretty, pretty spectacular. Like um, this morning, we just, me and my girl took our dogs to the top of Mount Wilson. You can, from my house in Hollywood in 20 minutes, you can be 8,000 feet elevation in these beautiful mountains, nobody around. And then 20 minutes, you're back home in the middle of the city. It's crazy. See, and that's, that is fantastic. I think that's the part of California that people kind of underrepresent. I saw some random study the other day that, California was voted the number one state for fun and like of course it was I don't, I don't know why that's a surprise and, and nobody ever talks about that part where you get to go out into the wilderness still and you're still yeah. right next to the mountains that's true they don't like you can go skiing and surfing all in the same day you know in the right month yeah. uh, which is pretty pretty badass um I do like all the people in Nashville that when when I first moved, they were like, "Man, I don't know. I don't know if I'd move out to California. It's a bunch of traffic and everybody's fake and all that stuff." But, yeah, none of that's really true. Like, there's as much traffic here as Washington D.C. or Nashville or Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, it's it, anywhere that you get a lot of people. There's going to be traffic, and I think people just make a lot more out of it, especially in the L.A. area. Right. But if like if you're not gonna move somewhere because of traffic, then there's that's just just not just not your bag. <laughs> yeah, right. Like just stay out in the country. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, enjoy the country, man. There's nothing wrong with that, though. No, I grew up in this, uh, a tiny town in Georgia of 3,900 people, oh, which boy. is it's an awesome way to grow up, you know, because you feel safe and you you know you get to kind of be a little dangerous and rebel without really getting in that much trouble. Uh, it was a great way to grow up, but I'm super glad that, you know, I got out here. Oh, definitely. Well, so let, let's get back to that story a little bit. So you ended uh, up on, on Nashville Star, the first season of it, which was really, wasn't that like the year after American Idol came out? Yes. So, it was the the second season of American Idol was the first season of Nashville Star. So, and I mean, a lot of people don't think about that. 
that really the only reality show at that time was there was American Idol for the one year, but then you talked about it, Big Brother and Survivor, I guess. Maybe Survivor or um, the the Real World. Okay, yeah, like Real that. World. So I mean, not really any of these competition ones. So this was a little bit different for you, and kind of a, I I guess really a, a second or third season for America for them to see that. So it's kind kind of a cool thing to end up on, right? It really was. Like I, uh, you know, I know, I told you I was hesitant to do it at first, but like once we got going, like we all lived in the same house together, and you know, you just get to know all these great other kind of potential artists it was the time of my life there were big giant posters of all of us all around nashville and you know at the time nashville did not have a lot of tv happening or or movies or anything like that in the city so everybody was buzzing about this show it was was pretty awesome this is your chance to be a rock star without being a rock star yet you got it. <laughs> there you go. But and then you talked about it again, uh, the Miranda Lambert thing, and anybody that's uh, you know even halfway familiar with what you do or has been to a Nashville Unplugged show or is really is familiar with Miranda Lambert knows that uh, you know you write quite or you have written quite a few songs for. Her. I mean, you wrote like what was it, like half of the ex girlfriend album. Yeah, that's right. I've got uh, all told ten cuts with Miranda. That's not a that, sh- that's not a shabby amount for somebody like her. No, we uh, at the time like she was only writing with me and like maybe one other girl, and she's you know she's very loyal to her people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know she she did did her career right. I think she was one of those really bold, strong uh, Texas girls that was not kind of made up by a label. She she knew what she wanted. Yeah, and I think that's the the I don't want to say there's a wrong way to go about country music, but that to me seems like the right way to go about country music is to do it for yourself, do what you want to do, and then you know whatever happens happens. Yeah, exactly. So she told me the um, one of the early meetings, you know, with the with, it was Sony that she signed to uh, as a result of the show. And like in the early meetings, they were like, well, this is what we want to do with you. And she was like, no, nah, I'm not really interested in that. And they were like, well, you know, we're just it's going to be our way, the highway. And she was like, honestly, like I, I still have an RV at home. I'm only 19. I could play bars in Texas for another five years. Um, you know, she just really muscled them into doing, what, you know, the album that she wanted to do, which I always was impressed by. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean. Just looking at her from the outside, obviously I've got no direct connection to her, but you can tell that that's just kind of the person that she is from the outside. She just seems like a genuine person all around. Yeah, that's the truth. And you've got, so, do you have any fun stories from your Miranda Lambert writing sessions? <laughs> not not that fun, but like <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there were a lot of like because it was uh, mostly we started writing on the the show National Star, mm-hmm. so we were in the same house. And we would just – I really fell in love with each other's writing style because we were both fans of like Dwight Yoakam and Steve Earle and um, some of the Texas guys. Um, then shortly after that, we would just be riding on the road. So we'd go play shows together in Dallas or in Austin or whatever. Um, and I remember going to her house one time. And it was just like, you write as long as you can write. And then it's just like, well, what else is there to do here in Lindell, Texas? And she was like, you want to go boar hunting? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's a left turn, but okay, I get it. 
Yeah, I mean, she's she's the girl with the guns. All right, let's go for it. <laughs> there you go. That's solid. Well, and then, like, you've also written with some other people, Dirk Bentley, um, and then uh, one that I didn't even realize until actually today um, was a uh, kind of a fan favorite around these parts, Jeremy McComb. Oh, I love Jeremy. Yeah, so he's got, uh, I mean, and you guys actually, right after the first time I saw your show in Vegas, um, you guys came up here and played his little bar, Nashville North. Oh, that's um, right. But one of my favorite songs of his is Five to Midnight. Really? It is. It is. That's so great. I wrote that song for Dirks, actually. I was really? trying to get Dirks to cut it. And um, and I was making the demo, and me and Jeremy were just hanging out a lot at, because I was living back in Nashville at the time for a couple of years. And I just had him come over and sing to sing the demo that I was going to use to pitch to Dirks. And he's like, I like this song, man. By all means. That's and we. Do you know that song that he wrote that he and I wrote called um, "What a Daddy's Gonna Say"? Are you familiar with yeah, that? Yeah. He wrote that together too. Okay. And, uh, you know, just about his little daughter. Yeah, I've got uh, some of the friends that I'm. You know, we've got mutual friends up here just because the scene's so small. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've really just kind of been following him for I don't know five or six years just at a distance just kind of listening to the new music that he puts out and, and that sort of thing and he's got he's got a very i don't want to call it a unique style but a uh you know a very personable style to his music oh it's specifically him that's for mm-hmm. sure like there was this one record he put out and the title of the record was fm mm-hmm. but he called it fm yep yep <laughs> That's he's got to be a fun guy to write with, though, right? Just I mean, he's uh, even yeah, outside of the music, he's got a billion stories. That's right, and he's funny, and he's always positive. We've had him down to Nashville unplugged a few times too. Okay, and, apparently like, I miss those ones. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's been like I don't know five or six times over you know years, mm-hmm. but you can always count on him, his show to be good because he's a super engaging dude. And he and he is so. Outside of you know Dirks, Miranda, and Jeremy, is there any any big songs that people should go listen to right now and be like, oh yeah, Travis Howard wrote that one? Man, if you can find there's a there's an amazing singer named Emily West in Nashville, and she has a song called "Boys in the Morning" that we wrote. And, and first of all, Emily, she was on well. She has a long, long career and a long story, but there were a few years. A few years ago, she ended up on America's Got Talent just as a sort of a why not? You know, I've, I already have a career, but maybe I'll do this. Maybe it'll help me out, whatever. And uh, she, I think she almost won. She came, they came in second or something. But Boys in the Morning, if you can find it, is probably one of the favorite things that I've ever written. Uh, and it was with her. So pretty. So we will definitely have to find that. I found her on Spotify right now, so I added her just so that I can go back and look at it. But that kind yeah. of uh, that brings me into something else that I kind of wanted to talk to you about. Uh, just because you're in this, I don't, again, I don't know if it's a unique camp, but you're you're in this very particular area where you do what you can to stand up for the rights of the songwriters. And you you talked about it earlier about how you would read the back of the credits of the album. And you don't get that kind of stuff on Spotify now. And I know that you were working on a project a couple of years ago surrounding that, right? Yeah, we were um, – me and the co-host of National Unplugged, Aaron Benward, and a couple of other guys 
we're getting together to try to do like just kind of a documentary uh, and tell the story because like, yeah, nobody knows how songwriters make their money because no people don't buy your songs from you they just record them and back when they sold cds or just played songs on the radio you got paid by how many cds they sold or how many times they played a song on the radio but there's not laws yet that really govern well how streamers are supposed to pay songwriters um there used to be a um a consent decree by the Department of Justice that said, like, every CD, if you have a song on that CD, you get nine and a half cents per CD, per song. And, like, you know, we were fine with that. Yeah. Um, but now that nobody's buying CDs, everybody's streaming. Uh, every every time you stream a Miranda Lambert song, let's say, on Spotify or Apple Music, I get paid five one-thousandths of a cent. And so, like, that like, you can't. You can't make a living like that because that's like um, you have to stream it 5,000 times just to make a penny. So, so you see, so like mm-hmm. it's just that the laws haven't caught up um, with the technology. So we were – yeah, we went to, to um, D.C. We met with a bunch of congressmen with uh, both parties, Democrat and Republican. And everybody – you know, they were all like, you're right. You're absolutely right. We don't know what we can do. And so – but with uh, – you know, some people like David Israelite in, in Washington, D.C., and some other folks in Nashville, we really pushed and pushed and pushed. And they have started to pass some laws that protect us a little. Not quite enough, but, you know, we're doing what we can. Yeah, no, and that's – and I don't think there's enough people out there that realize that it's not just the the singers and the artists that write these songs. So when they go out and, you know, they buy an album, it's not just – the one person and the record label that they're helping. I mean, oh, they're yeah. helping. They're helping everybody from the ground up, like you to just some guy that happened to sell a random song that became a number one. I mean, that yeah, sort absolutely. of stuff. I mean, you're you're supporting the the lives and the families of all the musicians and the engineers and um, songwriting. Writing songs is really hard. It's really sometimes sad and depressing, and sometimes glorious. Um, and you have to write thousands of them before you find one that's going to really resonate with people. So it takes your whole life. It takes your whole life to be good at it. Well, and I stumbled across on your website a, uh, a blog post that you wrote a couple of years ago about it. Uh, and you mentioned you know, that there's no, you know, there's no real pay for, for writing a song like theirs with everybody else, like you said. But, I mean, even on the uh, – artist side or the performing side there's not really that glory of you know being out in front of 10,000 people i mean it's cool that your songs out there but it's not quite the same so it takes a little yeah. bit more out of you emotionally yeah that's right um and like you know an artist they get to you know they they make money a thousand ways for <laughs> you know doing shows you make a lot of money doing shows you sell in merch you make money t- selling t-shirts uh personal appearances whatever whatever Songwriters have the one, you know, if you're just a songwriter, you have the one way to make money, and that's coming up with the most brilliant thing that anybody's ever heard, and songs that you want to dance to, and songs that you want to play at your wedding, and, you know, those things stay with you forever, and, you know, it's only fair that songwriters get taken care of a little bit. 
You mentioned that, you know, songwriters are just songwriters. That's all they have. You've kind of done your part to branch out and get yourself into other projects. And we've talked about it a little bit um, about Nashville Unplugged down there at the Mandalay Bay Friday nights in Vegas. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do in town just because I love the guitar pole riders round kind of a feel of, of what you guys have, on, have going on down there. But how'd that start with Aaron? That was Aaron. Um, he started – because at – at first, this was 10 years ago that Aaron started this show, but like, you know, they didn't do guitar pulls around the country. It was something that specifically just happened in Nashville and maybe on a few southern back porches, you know, around the south. But it wasn't like a thing that people would go to and just sit and listen to a guy with a guitar tell stories. Aaron started doing it with another guy. I think I was the first guest that they ever had. And it was like we toured it around uh, Oklahoma and some other places. Um, and then at some point he just landed in Vegas because the guys in Vegas thought it was a genius idea. They're like, we've never seen anything like this. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of built and got bigger and bigger. And, uh, the, the guests that we get in sometimes are just huge, huge songwriters and they've got great stories and who doesn't want to hear friends in low places from the guy that wrote friends in, in low places. Absolutely. You know, cool. Yeah, that and like I said, that's one of my favorite things to do when I'm there. But so he's been doing it for ten years. Have you been there for mo for all of it or just most of it? Um, I'd probably say a lot of it because he he lost his partner at some point, and he asked me if I'd come in and you know help him uh, a little more often. And I'm like, yeah, whenever whenever I'm not doing something else, because for a while I played for about five years, I guess I played guitar for kicks brooks after he and ronnie dunn broke up they broke up brooks and dunn mm -hmm. and they went on the road separately so i was a guitar player for kicks and um that kind of i had to do that job because a it was super fun oh, and, definitely uh, um so yeah whenever i wasn't doing kicks brooks or something else i would come and, and play that national plug show I'd, and i love doing it because i love you know just talking smack and <laughs> playing playing songs well, and you can tell that you guys are having a good time up there. And the first time I went, I want to say it was probably it was probably three years ago. And then I was there for the 10th, 10th anniversary show, just uh, kind of out of coincidence. And oh, yeah. That, that crowd was huge that night. Yeah, I mean, is, fun, that, is that kind of typical for what, what you guys have been seeing? Or was it just it happened to be the 10th anniversary and it was way bigger than normal? Uh, it usually starts at a certain level and then people hear it and then people start to pack in by the end of the night. It's almost always just slam packed, which is, I, I love, it's just super fun. Well, and it's, I mean, it's right in the middle of the casino. So, I mean, I can imagine why people can hear it and just walk over there. Yeah. Like you don't got to pay for it, you know, and, and people see everybody laughing or whatever and that they'll stick their heads in strangely it's not like a big liquor sale show which is, you know mandalay bay is always like "Ugh, can't you guys sell more booze and we're like <laughs> we're doing our best you know that but surprises you, me at a country show i know you would think that people would just get hammered but i think what it is is um people really do like listening to the stories you know they just sit there and they just for, forget to get up and go get a drink or something i guess well, and it's got to be tough up going up there, you know, week after week, because you only have, you know, so many stories. And obviously there's some yeah. locals that kind of are repeat, repeat attendees. So does that make it a little bit tougher having to kind of retell the stories and change it a little bit so that it's different? 
Yeah, it um yeah, it would be a really good touring show because you could go to a different city every night and be sure that you know, you're trying your jokes out and getting a better, but it is kind of like touring, but in the same spot. So we do do that. We used to do a, like a thing that they, that Aaron called songs from the hat and he would put a hat down on the stage and everybody would be invited to like, just write a song title, um, and, and put it in the hat. And then at some point we would have our third guest do like 15 minutes and we would run backstage and and just pick the funniest song title and write a song you know based on that title in 15 minutes so like that was that was something that was like a a feature that was really fun but um this new place at mandalay bay doesn't have a backstage so we can't do it (laughs) i was gonna ask i was like i don't know how you guys write a song there there's not a whole lot back there i know there's no like green room so we had to cancel it that make that makes sense i'm kind of sad about that though we're gonna have to talk them into getting you guys a green room Oh my God, I wish you could have heard some of the songs that we came up with. Just like really ridiculous. Give me some of the, the titles that you remember, if you remember any of them. Uh, okay, there's one, I, and I don't know why I remember this, but it was, and it was just a dumb title, but we made it funny. It was called um, like Sympathy for a Donut or something like <laughs> It was just a, okay. and we're like, seriously? And I thought, I was like, okay, so the course will be this. So now I'm looking you directly in the hole. <laughs> About yeah, okay, that'll work. Okay, that's that's one of those songs that uh, that nowadays could just go absolutely viral, right. just because. You, right. you might want to bring that one back and just throw it on YouTube or somewhere. Probably a good idea. <laughs> you know, I've got that song. Uh, you had me at I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wrote on the way to Vegas one night, one day, and I was just like, I want to play something stupid. That's that's fantastic. I feel like those are the best times to write songs when you're not trying to be serious. I mean, obviously yes. there's a place for serious songs, but those ones always seem to be more more fun. Yeah, man, writers' rooms are in Nashville are just packed to the gills with people trying to be serious, and like sometimes you just gotta take the piss out of life, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah. I actually, I want to talk to you about uh, kind of your writing process in a little bit. But for people that you know might not be familiar with your songs, they might be familiar with the uh, what was it one line that you had in Elizabeth Town? <laughs> was it was it one line or two? No, it was one line. Um, Miranda's tour manager used to make fun of me about that all the time. The line was "Will do, slow and soulful." Um, and I did it. And I shot on that on that set for two weeks just to do that one line and shared a trailer with Patty Griffin. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, got to hang out with like Orlando Bloom and, you know, all these people. It was the coolest experience. And that came out of uh, being on Nashville Star because the casting people, uh, at Paramount Pictures, we're watching Nashville Star. And so the show's over. I just got this random call um, from Paramount Casting. They're like, we think we'd like you to be in our movie. And I'm like, ah, but I'm not really an actor. And they're like, we think you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But hey, it, it worked out. You got to hang out with Orlando Bloom, which isn't something, uh, I'm sure even living in Hollywood, not something that you get to do very often is hang out with no. guys like that. Me and Katy Perry were lucky girls. There you go. <laughs> I mean, so you know that was kind of your first, your first big acting thing. Any anything else that people can look out oh, for yeah. acting wise? Well, I was on a. Well, that was in this old episode of um, Cold Case where I played this steel guitar player who had a, a heroin problem, and I shot our lead singer because he wouldn't go pop. That's pretty funny to watch. Um, and I'm I'm in a new show on fox this fall called um filthy rich and it has kim cattrall in it from uh from sex in the city and i've and again i've got one line in that show too but the director's good friend and he was like you know if i put you in this show then you get to come hang out with us in new orleans all the time and i'm like yeah that's a great idea See, so I- look for filthy rich yeah, I'm, we're going to have to. I, I'm excited just for that one line. And now I need to figure out how I can just get these one-line parts and just to hang out with people. Right, exactly. Just, just get the one line, get done, but you get all the perks of being you know, mm-hmm. everywhere with it. They, they fly you down. They put you up. You get to you know party with everybody after. It's good times. Well, let's shift gears here just a little bit, and let's talk about uh, let's talk about your music, music that you've written for you or, or have put out for yourself. You just put out a uh, an EP, right, back in uh, January. January, yeah, yeah, it was January. It's called City and Western, and like at, you know, coming up in Hollywood with really, really good, like amazing people. Like I met Dwight Yoakam early on, and. Uh, People like Keith Gaddis and Waylon Payne and folks like that. We had these nights that we would do. And it was just it, – for me, it was like the glory days of Hollywood. Uh, you know, for me, it was like the golden mm. age. Um, and I realized that as I started writing for other artists, I just let some of that love go for just doing – you know, writing songs about yourself and, you know, honestly about how cool I think it is to live in Hollywood. Uh, so I decided – to write this EP, to just like try to bring all that stuff back. And there's some crazy songs. I mean, there's some, there's a song called Nashville. I'm over you. Well, and you've <laughs> got that really one. Like, and I kind of assumed that that's why you moved from Nashville to LA, but maybe not now. 
No, no. It was uh, it was just like I think Nashville and Mobile was like I'm just tired of trying to write for the radio. I'm trying to tired of trying to write a song that Cole Swindell might like. No offense to Cole, but you know, at some point you just gotta get back to your own roots. That's all. So that's what the that's what City and Western is. Well, let's do this. You wanna play a couple two or three songs here for everybody? Oh yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, let's do that. Then they can get a taste of uh of what the Travis Howard sound is. Alright, so I'll do um I'll do leaving now from uh, from City and Western. Perfect. All right, here we go.
There you go. And that one, I, I think, really encapsulates, uh, you know, what I've what I've noticed is your sound. Yeah, thank you. I think so, too. I really love that sound. That's it's cool. like a Western kind of – there's a Westernness to it. Um, I like a throwback to some kind of old Daniel Lanois, Dwight Ilkum, Wonderland. I don't know. Yeah, no, I – I liked it. Where can people find that song to buy? Because obviously, you know, they can find it on Spotify to take a listen to the rest of your album. But how do they support you? It's Spotify. You can listen to it. Apple Music. Uh, iTunes, I think, doesn't sell music anymore. So TravisHoward.com, if you really wanted to buy a CD, you're welcome to do that at TravisHoward.com. Do you have physical CDs? I do have physical CDs, Whoa. yeah. Talk huh? about a throwback. <laughs> Mostly it's to give away because I, I, the CDs look super cool. I designed oh, them like true. an old oh. 50s record. Okay. Um, yeah, they just look – I'll send you one. Um, you should have it. That would be fantastic. I'd love one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I will uh, – I'll, I'll trade you that for a, uh, for a Tea Party koozie and shirt. How's that? I'm totally down. <laughs> I was going to say um, I, I felt like that I should – probably full disclosure tell you before the show started that i'm not a good golfer <laughs> and i'm like oh no he's he's not gonna ask like what my i don't even know how to talk golf lingo <laughs> if, if it makes you feel better neither am i okay that's it's better just, that helps. It, it was it was catchy and it was uh it's my initials so ah, so nice. it, was, it was easy so I'm like, okay, that works, and and there's a, uh, it helps me transition a little bit. I've got, uh, we talked to Court Courtson uh, a few episodes ago, and he played college baseball. Uh-huh. So I actually had a couple of uh, baseball fans that I talked to at, uh, I was at Eric Church here this weekend, uh, which will actually be a few weekends ago when this goes up, um, and talked to a few baseball fans, and then they went back and listened to it just because he talked about his baseball career and they knew who he was from baseball. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I grew up uh, in the South and lost a lot of friends because I didn't. I was not into sports, you know. And it's like, if you're a dude in the South and don't, you know, like don't like sports, it's what do you talk about? Like, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> so mostly, it's <laughs> yeah. like, all right, well, I'm gonna go. <laughs> well, that kind of explains why you got up here like 18, went out and did your own thing. Because I mean, you definitely weren't gonna go play football. Yeah, man. I remember being in Little League. Um, and, like, I don't know how old you are in Little League. Is that like 11 or 12 or something? Yeah, so, somewhere around there. The amount of times that I got smashed in the face with a baseball, I was like, sucks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, – I'm out on that. Like, I can only get hit so many times for like, no, I'm done. It's fine. Yeah. Like, this ain't for me. Uh, crap. But uh, you up for playing one more song? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um uh, maybe I'll play a Miranda song. Is that? Yeah, do it. Okay. Um, that's a good one. I'll just play like um, I'll just play the number one. <laughs> <Why not? laughs> there you go. Play something people will recognize then. Yeah. Now this was um. Oh God, I gotta I should tune this before I play it. But this song was um, it went to number one and it was a radio hit you know mm-hmm. back when they were still paying like that's how you made your money this was back in 2011 like that's how quickly things have changed but uh and i made like i made a, a good living off of the fact that this song went number one i wrote it with miranda 
and with Ashley Monroe from the Pistol Annies. And um, like that next year, the money from it came in and it was enough to like, you know, it didn't make me like a wealthy man, but it was enough to like, I could buy a car and I met the girl that I'm now married to. And, you know, I was able to take her out on enough dates to trick her into marrying me and stuff like that. It's just like basic lifestyle stuff. It really – I owe Miranda for my wife, is, I guess is what I'm saying. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, here it goes. Take home to mama. I ain't the kind to wear no ring. Somehow I always get stronger when I'm on my second drink. Even though I hate to admit it, sometimes I smoke cigarettes. The Christian folks they say I should quit it, but I just smile and say, God bless. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mama cried when she saw my tattoo, but she loved me anyway. My brother got the brains of the family, so I thought I'd learn to play. He drank wine, I bet we'd get along just fine He could calm the storm and heal the blind I bet he'd understand a heart like mine Oh, and I'll fly away From it all Called on the road, you'll meet me with two lost in glasses, drink a toast, coming home. And I heard Jesus, he drank wine. I bet we'd get along just fine. He could call the storm and heal the blind. I bet he'd understand, understand a hard life. Boom, there you go. <laughs> so you started singing singing that song, and then I, I actually uh, I thought about something I wanted to ask you. 
that I, it, it's got to be different writing writing songs for a female to sing than writing songs for yourself to sing, right? Definitely. Um, <laughs> but I kind of have. Um, I, I have. I think I'm. I'm a very sensitive dude. <laughs> and when I moved out here, I met. I don't know. I just have a very gentle nature, and so like it's it, in my life. It's been pretty easy to write for and with girls. Um, and then after Miranda, you know, like became super famous. Um, I was constantly approached by, and still am by girls that are just like, you know, are fans of hers. And so I end up, you know, doing a lot of writing with girls. Um, I should probably write with more dudes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do, do what works. Yeah. 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 If it ain't broke. Exactly. I mean, and you've been writing, for and with Miranda for for so long, I'm sure that's just kind of second nature to write in that style in that way now. Yeah, and she's so good. I mean, as a writer, just like the process, she'll sit down and just the most beautiful stuff comes just right out of her mouth. She's always been that way. Well, so what's what is your writing process look like like everybody's kind of got their own some people come up with the lyrics and then the melody and some people just have a guitar lick that they've been waiting to use i mean what some people write it in the car on the way to vegas that's <laughs> exactly right i mean i mean you kind of you got me pinned down like there was the first hit we ever had was a song called bring me down off of her first record kerosene and uh i wrote it in the car on the well um we started it a little bit like together then i came back home and i was driving to palm springs and just wrote it on a uh, on my phone you know like on a voice memo and called her sang it to her over the phone she was like yes that's it boom thank you um so we weren't even in the room that much together to write that and a lot of the songs we've written i've got six, like 630 voice memos on my iphone of just little things like you said, like there's a there's a guitar lick, there's like one line, or there's like some melody, just me going, ah, you know. And <laughs> I was just before I before I called you, I was just going through some of them and uh, just like finding some stuff that I could work on today. You know, like if you got something good, maybe it's got to sit for a couple of days, and I'll listen to it again, and I'm like, bingo, I got it. Well, I think that's just being a creative first myself. I, I've kind of noticed that same thing that sometimes you write it down, forget about it for a week, come back to it, and then all of a sudden the rest of it just comes together. Yeah, it's like a fresh look for some reason. It it just makes you re-excited about it if you let it sit for a second. Well, and then is it different writing for you, you somebody else versus writing for yourself and then even writing for TV and movies, which you've done quite a bit of? Yeah, um... It's I well it, I don't know if you feel this way or if other people feel this way, but for me personally, if if I'm really better if I stay trying to write something for myself, just write stuff that entertains me or that I think's cool. Because I've tried to write those sort of like prescriptive songs. Like I remember, you know, back in the day, my publisher was really leaning on me trying to write something for Rascal Flatts or try to write something for Tim McGraw, and every time I did it. I got so in my head about like, well, is this the way they sound that it just kind of ruins the process and I don't, I don't do good work. So like the best thing for me is to please myself first and then whatever comes out, comes out. And if people like it, they do. If they don't, they don't. But like, that's, it's just more satisfying to me. And what's it like writing for like 
TV and movies. Is that kind of the same process where you write what you, you you just write your own thing and then you give it to them and if they take it, they take it? Or do they give you like a... That's like, I've done that both ways. Like where they just, like here's a catalog of stuff of mine. If you guys like any of it, you can use it in your show. But then there's also like this, um, this Fox show, Filthy Rich. The director called and said, um, uh, specifically, he's like, I need like a praise and worship song for this mega church scene. Uh, can you write that? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I was raised in that prior patch. I grew up in a Pentecostal church in Georgia. So, you know, I was like, I'll have it to you tomorrow. So I recorded this, you know, it's like 45 seconds of a song uh, and I sent it to him. And he's like, oh, my God, that was that's exactly perfect. I'm like, I know. <laughs> So, um, and there it is. So there you actually had to earn your one line on that show then. You had to give yes, him a song. Exactly. That's right. It was not a handout. <laughs> well, Travis, before we let you go here, I, I do appreciate you jumping on with me so much. Uh, but before before we let you go, we got to hit you with the final four questions, something that we do in uh, in every episode here. So I'll give you the uh, question. And they're, uh, you might have to think about them for a second. Um, okay. So they, I, are, right. they are a little bit tough. I'm ready for this. Okay, so the first one. What's your favorite place that you've ever played? Favorite place that I've ever played? Off the top of my head, I'm going to say it was uh, the new Dallas Cowboys Stadium in Dallas. A few years ago, I was with Brooks and Dunn. The place seated 80,000 people, and it, and there were 75,000 people there. And I just about peed myself it was so cool i bet that's got to be one of the coolest things ever just even to be at a show like that but i can't imagine being on the stage like that yeah introduced by keith urban and i'm just like i'm in heaven i'm totally in heaven i bet man yeah okay how about this the best show that you've ever been to that you weren't playing at uh oh god oh god okay i this is gonna be weird but i was in Nashville a few years ago, and I went to see Coldplay at the stadium there. Okay. And I was like a 13-year-old girl at that show. I was going to say, I kind of pegged you as a Coldplay fan. I can see that. Yeah. I was screaming my head off, dancing. The girl that I was with was like, who are you? And I was just like, yes. Uh, So, yeah, it was amazing. Okay. Okay. How about this one? If you could play anywhere in the world, I, I feel like maybe you've already done this, but if you could play anywhere in the world... Where would it be? I could play anywhere. Like at, at a specific venue. Any venue that you, that you haven't played at, where would it oh, be? Oh, man. It'd be Red Rocks. Okay. I've, okay. I've been there. I've been backstage while Miranda played, but I've never done it myself. So, hell yeah. I would okay. take Red Rocks. So, I had this conversation quite a bit this weekend. Have you oh, ever, wait. Let me stop oh, you before you ahead. do your next one. Have you been to the Gorge yes. in Washington? So that's exactly – that's what my question is. That's actually where I saw Eric Church this last weekend. He did two shows there. Uh, and that was my – have you ever been there? I played it with Kix Brooks, and uh, Dwight Yoakam was on the same bill. It was one of those festivals. That place was I, – I just thought about it. That place freaked me out. It was so cool. Like the green rooms are down below the stage, and they look down into the Gorge – um, we spent the whole day there. It was so cool. Well, and so that was that was my question. It's not one of these one of these questions, but we had this conversation a lot this last weekend. Which venue is more impressive, Red Rocks or the Gorge? And I feel like if you ask two people, one's going to pick the Gorge, one's going to pick Red Rocks. 
Yeah, no, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I would obviously say the gorge because you're in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's awesome. I still have like I've got these photos from that place, that's... and I'm just I can't I can't believe this is a real place. Yeah, and actually, I'm going uh, I'm going back there in a month uh, to Watershed, which Miranda Lambert's actually playing there with uh, with the Pistol Annies. That's incredible. So that's, I love it, the girls. I mean, it's such the gorge is such a uh, a unique venue just because you can't. I mean. You don't get any better than that scenery. Yeah, that's right. It's just such an experience. Okay, here we go. Last question. If you, if you could play with anybody, dead or alive, you know, for one night you could share the stage, who would it be? Um, okay, I'd like to say it would be – this is this is maybe sound a little sissy of me, but John Mayer. <laughs> okay, okay. I think I he's awesome. that. I think he's incredible. I, I couldn't play as good as him, and I'd probably just leave feeling really uh, bad about myself. But it would be worth it. That's see, that's solid. And John Mayer's a—he's uh, kind of a unique guy in himself. Just everything that he does. Yeah. Not just his music. I was uh, the last time I was in LA. Actually, I was down. And I went to the comedy store, and I found out later that night he, him, and Dave Chappelle did like six hours. That's incredible. Hanging out on stage, I'm like John, that John Mayer did that. Like, okay, yeah. I've always wanted to see that show. They like they played here for New Year's Eve the, together, him and Dave Chappelle, and I really wanted to see yeah. it, but I haven't. I I can only imagine how just incredible that show is from top to bottom because they're both yeah. I mean, cream of the crop in what they do. Really smart dudes. Like, yeah, yeah. Love them. Just quality humans overall. But Travis, I appreciate you jump, jumping on here so much, man. What can what can we plug for you? TravisHoward.com. TravisHoward.com. The the video for leaving now it's it'll be out in a couple of months, but so you can't plug that. Uh, and then Filthy Rich, uh, this fallen fox. Boom! There you go. We're gonna have to, and I'll make sure that uh, that I get that video out when it does come out, and make sure that people see that and uh, and go out and buy music, guys. This this is yeah. the type of person that that you're supporting. I mean, uh, and thank you in yeah. advance. <laughs> there you go. Well, Travis, thank you for jumping on here, man. We'll have to do it again uh, sometime soon. Really love the Tyler. Thank you for the invitation, man. Absolutely. And you're listening to the Tea Party Podcast where you find new friends and new music like Travis Howard. And we'll see you in the next one. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No 
purchase necessary void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.